scripture reading we read from the book of Matthew, of course, was a scene that took place on, on Mount Calvary. Jesus had been falsely accused, illegally tried. He'd stood before Pilate, who had released Barabbas, and then asked the crowd, what should I do with this one called Jesus? And the crowd cried out, crucify him. They had stripped him, whipped him, beaten him, slapped him, plucked his beard out, put on his head a crown of thorns, beaten him with rods, spit on him, and then hung him on a cross. And even after he hung on the cross, it didn't uh, stop the crowd from continuing to harass and persecute him. People passed by and they cried out, Hey, if you're the Son of God, like you said you were, why don't you come down from the cross? Surely you have the power to do that. The chief priest joined in. If you're the king of Israel, as you said you were, come down. Scribes and Pharisees says, hey, you said you could tear down the temple and in three days rebuild it. Uh, Why can't God save you? And in verse 44, we read, the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same into his teeth. Now, let me read a few verses. You don't need to turn to it, but I'm going to read a few verses from Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 39, where the Bible says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And I know there's some people that will say, There it is. There's a contradiction in the Bible. In the book of Matthew, it says both thieves cast and reviled Christ. And here in the book of Luke, it says one did, but the other asked to be remembered in paradise. And this is not part of my sermon this morning, but listen, we need to take the Bible off trial. We need to just decide that the Bible is the Word of God. We just need to decide that this book was inspired and written by God. That is exactly the Word that He wants us to have, and that there's no contradictions in it. I read a story about an old Baptist preacher that preached hard one Sunday morning, and because he was so tired, he decided to take a nap on Sunday afternoon. And while he was napping, his little nephew, which was about four or five years old, was looking at his Bible and actually tore a page out of his Bible. He got up to preach that night from the book of Genesis about Noah and read that scripture where where his Bible now said, and Noah took a wife and she was 300 cubits long and 50 cubits wide. (laughs) And the preacher said, I never noticed that verse before, but it's in the book and I believe it. Matthew and Luke were talking about different times on the cross. There was a time when both thieves reviled Christ, but one of them came to his senses. The one that came to his senses was a man that committed a crime and was arrested for that crime and said, you don't scare me by arresting me. They put him on trial and found him guilty. And he said, you don't scare me by your trial and finding me guilty. They sentenced him to die on the cross. And, they, and he said, you don't scare me by this sentence. 
They hung him on that cross, and for the first few minutes, maybe for the first hour or so that he hung on the cross, he still had that macho-ness that said, hey, you don't scare me, I can handle anything. But then the reality of his situation sunk in. Pain started to seep into his body. He began to sweat from the heat of the day. Each breath that he took became more labored. Actually, people, when they were hung on a cross, most of them died from suffocation. Because in order to breathe, they had to pull themselves up. They had to lift themselves up for their lungs to have room uh, to, to, to fill up. And you can imagine the agony that was in our Savior when he had to do that after being uh, beaten with that cat of nine tails 39 times and his back being broken open and as he had to scrape that open back against that old rugged tree in order to breathe. But the reality of his situation began to hit this thief. Yes, he had cursed Christ. Yes, he had reviled him. But now he realized that he was, he was dying. And he watched Jesus as he died. Most men that were crucified cursed the ones that were, that, that were uh, inflicting the, the execution on them. But not this one. Not the one who hung on the cross next to him. He heard the one that hung on the cross next to him pray, Father, forgive them. Talking about the ones who was carrying out his execution, for they know not what they do. He heard the one that hung on the cross next to him ask one of his disciples to take care of his his, his mother. And the thief who a few minutes before had reviled Christ... The thief, who a few minutes before had cursed Jesus, now realized that he was going out into eternity, and he said, Lord, remember me when thou come into thy kingdom. I want you to notice something. And by the way, I forgot to tell you a minute ago what inspired this sermon. Uh, uh, you know, I go to my mom and, and watch after her on Monday and Tuesday, so I always go down on Sunday night. And uh, I've been the last few weeks, I've been listening to a CD that Brother Clyde gave me the night of their concert that they had back in December. And there's a song on there. Brother Wendell used to sing it all the time, and other people have sang it. But this is the first time I've ever heard Clyde and his family sing it. Uh, he was there all the time. Now, Brother Clyde, I've got to tell you, 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 I could even tell from your voice, you were a, a lot younger uh, <laughs> when you made that CD. But, <laughs> yeah, a couple years. Uh, but... But that song has a a, a tremendous message. That song reminds us that Jesus was there, is there all the time. And I was thinking about it in relation to this thief. All the time that this thief ridiculed Christ, Jesus was there. All the time that, that, that that he stood and said, hey, you don't scare me. You don't scare me with this trial. You don't care, scare me with this sentence. You don't scare me with this execution. All the time that he put up that brave front, Jesus was there. All the time he said, I can handle this on my own. I don't need anybody else to help me. Jesus was there. I know there's some people like that here this morning. You're just like the thief. You, you, you've never received Christ. What you're telling yourself is the same thing that he told himself. Hey, I'm okay. I'm not a sinner. I don't need God. Eternity doesn't bother me. Hell doesn't scare me. I'm a good guy. I can go to heaven on my own goodness. 
And I want to tell you this morning, no, 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 a thousand times no. That's a lie that comes straight out of hell. That's a lie that comes straight from, from, from Satan himself. The Bible says all our righteousnesses, all the goodness that we can do and hold up to God are in God's eyes as filthy rags. It's not your goodness that's going to get you into heaven. It's not your righteousnesses that are going to get you into heaven. The Bible says, neither is, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there any other name under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And we stand before God this morning, every single one of us, as a sinner. There's no amount of goodness, there's no amount of righteousness that we can offer up to God and buy our way to heaven. But I got some good news for you this morning. When you didn't think that you needed God, Jesus was there. When you didn't think that you needed somebody to help you, Jesus was there. When you didn't think that you were a sinner and needed a Savior, Jesus was there. When you were thinking that you are okay and that you're good enough, Jesus is there. And the Holy Spirit is wooing you to him. The Holy Spirit is trying to convince him that you need him. And the Holy Spirit will try, is trying to convince you this, this, this morning that you can't depend on what you can do. You need to depend on what Jesus Christ did for you. I'll be honest with you. And I think this is a testimony of most people in this room. Most of us didn't get saved the first time we heard the gospel. Most of us didn't get saved the first time we were convinced that we were a sinner. I can remember standing in church and I dig my fingernails into the back of the pew that I was standing behind. I knew I needed to go forward. I knew I needed to trust Christ as my Savior. Uh, but but I, I was scared. I didn't want to walk down the aisle. I didn't want, I didn't, I, I, I was, I mean, I, I, I didn't like to get up in front of people, believe it or not. <laughs> I can remember sitting in my uncle's Sunday school class, and he, he, he would preach. He, would, he had a, a class of boys, 11, 12 years old. I can remember just like it was yesterday, him telling us we were sinners. Didn't matter who your mom and dad was. Didn't matter who your grandparents were. You're a sinner. You're going to go to hell unless you get saved. I've told you before, I can remember like it was yesterday, my grandma taking her old point, uh, bent, uh, bent pointed finger, sort of trying to point it at me, but I guess she had to go like that to get it at me. <laughs> Telling me, you're a sinner. You're going to go to hell unless you get saved. All the time that that, was, I, I, that that was going on, all the time that I rejected Christ, all the time I thought I could get by without him, Jesus was there. He never gave up on me. He kept calling. You're here today and you don't know him. There's an emptiness in your soul that this world cannot fill. There's a part of you that will never... You were made to fellowship with God. There's a part of you that will never be satisfied, never find contentment until you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's calling you. It says in Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
You come. You receive Christ this morning. He'll make you one of his children. He'll fill that emptiness in your soul. He'll make you fit for heaven. You don't think you need him. And maybe you've cursed him. And maybe you've rejected him. But it doesn't matter. He's there. He calls. He's waiting for you to come. The same truth applies to us as Christians. The fact that Jesus is always there. He's there. It applies to us when we're tempted to sin. You remember the story of Jericho? That city that the Israelites first took when they came into the promised land? God had said, hey, Jericho's my city. Everything in it's mine. I believe he was teaching the people how to tithe, that the first fruits belonged to him. And he said, everything in that city is mine. And remember that man named Achan? Achan saw a wedge of gold and some silver and some Babylonian garments. And he said, nobody's around. Nobody will notice I can just take this stuff. I know God said that everything in, in the city is his, but I can take this, some, th- th- this stuff and nobody will notice. I'll remind you this morning as a Christian, uh, we can't sin and get by with it. We can't sin and nobody will notice. No other human being may notice, but there's a God in heaven that not only knows what we do, but what we think. I'll remind you this morning, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. We sing that little song with the kids. Be careful, little eyes, what you see, and little feet, where you go, and little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love. There's not a time in our life as a Christian where God is not there. Achan stole that stuff and paid a terrible price. 36 innocent men died in the battle of Ai. When his sin was discovered, they took he and his wife and his children and put them in a pit and stoned them. And so I remind us as Christians this morning that you can't pull something over on God. You cannot disobey this book and think that nobody sees it. You cannot disobey this book and think, I'll get by with it. We need to get serious about living up to the name that we bear, Christian. We're little Christ, and we need to live our life in a way that would bring honor and glory to him. We need to live each moment of our life with the knowledge that Jesus is there. I dare say, if Jesus would come in person and say, I'm going to walk with you this week, I'm going to just be your shadow this week, most of us would live lives that will be at least a little bit different than what we've lived the past week. If the Son of God would come physically in the body and walk beside us, oh yeah, we'd live our life probably some of us a whole lot different than we did last week. Well, I'll remind you this morning, he's there. He's there all the time. He's there. And when we're tempted to sin, we need to remember that he's there. I have three points this morning. He's there waiting for you to call upon him and get saved, number one. Number two, he's waiting. He's there and, and always there. Uh, when we are tempted to sin. And then number three, sort of a point that goes along with our Sunday school lesson this morning, he is there when troubles come. He is there when circumstances come. The same God that, that, that is with us all the time in the good times is the same God that's there in the bad times. I read again from the Holy Scripture, this time from the book of John, chapter 20. After the crucifixion, Jesus had been laid in the grave. He'd been there for three days and three nights. We read in John chapter 20 about a lady that came early in the morning to his tomb. 
verse 11 from John chapter 20. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and, she, and, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And seeing two angels in white setting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Trouble had come into Mary's life. The one she had loved had been crucified. They had killed him, crucified him, and laid him in a tomb. Now we see her at the empty tomb. Her thought that was that somebody had come and stolen the body of her master. After all that they'd gone through, Mary thought, how could somebody do this? How could somebody come and steal the body of Jesus? What she didn't know is that Jesus was standing right there beside her. What she didn't, what she didn't know was that Jesus was there. I wonder how many times we get worried and we fret and we're anxious about something and we fail to realize that the master is right there beside us, ready to help in that time of trouble. The Bible says in verse 11, she stooped down to look into the tomb. When we worry, we always stoop down. When we worry, we always take our mind off the eternal and put them on the things that are below. God promised to take care of us. He promised never to leave us or forsake us. And the more we stoop down and the more we worry, the more enmeshed we get in the world. And it's harder for us to see the Savior standing right there beside us. In verse 13, the angel asked the question, Woman, why weepest thou? You know, heavenly beings always wonder and they cannot understand us as mortals because they know how close our Savior is to us. These angels looked at Mary and said, Mary, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? Don't you realize the one that's standing right beside you is the one that you're looking for? Don't you realize that he's kept his promise? That, 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 that Yeah, he'll lay in the grave for three days and three nights, but then he's going to be resurrected and come back to life. Why are you weeping, Mary? Your Savior kept his promise. In verse 14, Mary turns back and almost bumps into Jesus. She was so worried that she didn't even recognize him. Said, he must be the gardener. He, she asked him the same question. Hey, mister, if, you st- if you've moved his body, tell me where you put him, and I'll go get him, and I'll take him. And then we read in that verse. We didn't read it, but verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. He called her by name, and he, she the blinders fell off, and she recognized that the one she was looking for had been there all the time. Amen. I want to tell you this morning, when we go through trouble, when we go through trials, when we go through heartaches, we don't go through them alone. 
Sometimes it may feel like God has abandoned us. Sometimes it may feel like his presence is nowhere to be felt. Sometimes it may feel that when we pray, our prayers are getting no higher than the ceiling. They go to the ceiling and bounce back. But I want to remind you this morning, there's not a time in your life as a Christian, not a, time, not a trial that you'll go through, not a valley that you'll be forced to walk through, not a circumstance that you'll be forced to endure, that you do it by yourself. Again, you may, may not be able to see his presence. You may not be able to feel his presence. But, but by faith and by believing this book, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's there beside you. He'll never leave you alone. He'll never forsake you. He's always there. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. We just need to recognize that. We need to live in the reality that we have a Savior. That's there all the time. Now listen, I'm done. We talked about three people this morning. And I want to ask you, which one do you identify with? We talked about that thief that thought he could get by without God. That thought he could die and go into eternity without God. Fortunately, before he made that transition, fortunately, before he made that move, he realized that he couldn't do it. And he cried out to Jesus, who was there, and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And praise God, Jesus looked back at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I pray you realize before it's too late that you cannot make that transition without him. You cannot go into heaven without Jesus Christ. You'll make a transition, but it won't be to heaven, it'll be to hell. It'll be that place prepared for Satan. It'll be that place prepared for those uh, that, that have rejected Christ. I beg you this morning, please do not leave this place without knowing for sure that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're a sinner. He's paid for your sin. He, he, he wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to go, heaven, to go to heaven. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to go to heaven. We talked about Achan. That one that thought he could put something over on God could sin and get by with it. We as Christians need to realize it's not possible. Our sin will find us out. We'll pay a price. Others around us will pay a price. And then we talked about Mary, who was troubled. The comforter was standing by her all the time. All she had to do was stop. Stop. Quit, quit, quit fretting. Quit fussing. Quit worrying. Open your eyes. Open your spiritual eyes and see that Jesus is there. He's ready to put his arms around you. He's ready to strengthen you. He's ready to lift you up. Again, he doesn't take you out of the storm. But he says, I'll go through the storm with you. With you. So which one of those three do you identify with this morning? I will tell you in every case, he's there. He's been there all the time. He's just waiting for us. He's waiting for us to open our eyes and see him and trust him. Would you do that this morning? Would you? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that's in it. I pray, Father, for those that might be here this morning that have never received Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're trying to live this life and they face eternity without you. Help them, Father, to understand they can't do either. They can't live this life the way you intended them to live it, and they can't go into eternity without Jesus Christ. Help them to to see their sin. Help them to see the penalty for that sin, separation from you. Help them see the price that Jesus paid on Calvary. 
for their sin to make them right with you. I pray for Christians that are here. I pray for those that, that may be trying to get by with something. Help us, Father, to realize we can't. Sin has a price even after we're a Christian. We don't lose our salvation, but it has a price. It can destroy our testimony. It can destroy our lives. Help us to live in a way that would be pleasing to you. And then, Father, for those that are going through hardships this morning, those that are going through troubles, those those that are going through storms, help us to realize that you're always close, you're always near, and that, Father, all we need to do is stop. We need to look around and open our eyes and see that you've been there all the time. So speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. If there's those here that need to receive Christ as Savior, help them to come in just a second. We'll take the Bible from the Bible, show them how to ask Jesus to be their Savior. If there's those here that are going through trials and heartaches, and maybe they just need to come to this altar, get on their knees, recognize that you're there with them as a help. So just bless this time of invitation. Use it, Holy Spirit, to do what you need to do this morning. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.